1: Hello and welcome to Tim Presents Coppola Connections, as ever, brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Syllabus. If you're new to this old here podcast, what we do here is we watch every single film in the collective Coppola family filmography to determine if they are the greatest film family of all time. I don't do that alone, however, I'm joined by a guest who will answer the question of based on this film alone are they the greatest film family of all time and this week's film for episode 56 is meet the Fockers*, and our fantastic guest is rich wiltshire one is finally out of the bag. they are a podcast who like to do their scheduling under the cover of darkness the listeners are not to know until things are revealed Uh, Speaking of things being revealed, uh, on this episode we'll be talking about Meet the Fockers in all of its gory details. Every blow-by-blow, every truth told, every family feud will be discussed. So if you haven't seen this film, go watch it. It's streaming here in the UK on Netflix and I'm sure it'll be streaming elsewhere. All you've got to do is Google that bad boy. I'm sure it'll let you know if it is streaming. So I guess with all of that out of the way, all that's left to do to pack up your rv head on down to florida meet your future in-laws kind of uh, other side of the family that you haven't met in the first film get a little kid to say arsehole as we make some copola connections lot of us family means everything when two families come together they can come together in total harmony be a wonderful thing or it could be an utter disaster on to this week's film we're looking at the comedy sequel to the smash hit meet the parents 2004's meet the Fockers, directed by jay roach written by jim hersfeld and john hamburg the film stars ben stiller terry polo robert de niro Blythe danner dustin hoffman and Barbara Streisand, film cinematographer, and today's Coppola Connection, now boy, John Schwartzman. to Join me to find out if the Coppola family, are just a load of old, repressed old fuddy duddies stuck in their ways, or they're free, <laughs> loving, and open, is a man who's used to the world of sequels. One half of the excellent Unequal Sequel podcast, Rich Wiltshire. How are you, Rich?
3: I'm good, thank you, mate. I'm good. Um, uh, I think I've drawn a short straw on this one. Like have got to do Rocky Five. Like know. my fellow podcast host mm-hmm. on Unequal equal sequel. The two of us, we we're like, we've got to do sequels. We've got to pick a sequel from this list, and then Dave just got nipped. Just got in there before me with Rocky Five. And I was like, okay, I'll do Meet the Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should
1: have a. I should have a look and see if you've. Missed any sequel? I don't. know I'm not sure if you've missed any sequels on the list. I obviously. think
3: it was. Yeah, I think it's a short. Yeah, it's a short list of sequels.
1: <laughs> yeah, they seem. To, yeah, and I, I guess I guess the ultimate sequels uh in the kind of Coppola Pantheon of uh, filmography are the are are, are the Godfather of the Godfather yeah, yeah.
3: And I imagine they went fast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I,
1: I I think they're ones that I'll be able to dine out on in many ways for the foreseeable (laughs) i reckon i could get to the end of doing the complete family filmography and just do like a godfather scene by scene and people would still Mm. listen i reckon uh i even i I even recently saw that les dennis of all people was saying that like the godfather has one of the best opening scenes of all time then he immediately was (laughs) like i was like les (laughs) <laughs> come speak to me, brother! Like, come on, come on! I'll do, I'll do. <laughs> I do. I already, I already had the pop quiz ready and the the family fortunes uh, sounds on the soundboard just ready for him. <laughs>
3: Fantastic! Uh,
1: who was the cinema photographer on this film? Uh, he, he says someone else. Uh, it's actually Gordon Willis. Uh, uh, just uh, get uh, get at Les Dennis. Or <laughs> brilliant and i think that would have been like the one time my parents would have been like wow yeah yeah, you've got you've got les dennis you you're really going somewhere with this podcast (laughs) 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 not not me normally having to like if i get a big name having to explain what they're from and they're like yeah we we lost interest about five minutes ago (laughs) um so before before we get going rich tell us obviously yeah dave's been on the podcast before but Mm. that was yeah that was time, time moves quickly that was like five six weeks ago so people people may have already forgotten tell us a little bit about unequal sequel and what you guys do over there
3: i mean it's a pretty simple concept really we get a guest on and we ask them what their best sequel their worst sequel and their dream sequel are and because we just like having a rambly chat, we end up sort of talking about their life in general based on sequels. So we get a nice kind of insight into our into our guests' past and history and psyche through the medium of sequels.
1: So doing the show, like, do, obviously you guys probably are constantly thinking about yours. How how often? I'm not going to ask you what they are, because so, I know yeah. that, that, is, that that will inevitably be an episode, but... <laughs> How often in your head does it change? Like the kind of is there stuff that you watch or the uh, podcast and be like, oh, that is that that's maybe picked it or someone said something that, like, oh yeah, like I could there's see. There's
3: definitely yeah, there's definitely been things we've watched for the podcast, especially kind of worst sequels, when I'm like, Yes, that is that is a very bad sequel. Um so yeah, so that's definitely opened my eyes in the in worst sequels. Um, we've had a few movies that people have picked as their like dream sequel that I've that I've watched, and I've been like, oh, hello. So things like The Guest or Smart that I'd never seen before Amazing. that people I've only watched because people have picked them as their dream sequel. Um, and then also got into the the kind of the Before trilogy, so like Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, um, yeah, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, all those those kind of things because I'd never heard of those before either for the podcast. So yeah, kind of got into them as well. So there's a few, there's a few, but I think I still think my best sequel is still the same, and nobody's picked it yet. So I'm that crossing thing. my fingers that we'll get to <laughs> that, get to that point where we get to do our own ones, um, and nobody picks it. Um, but yeah, and I think my maybe my worst sequel is that's the one that changes mm-hmm. the most. It was Sex in the City two for a long time,
2: mm-hmm.
3: mainly because uh, the Kathy and and um, and Dave from the Cinemile picked that as their worst sequel and then then changed their minds and so I'd, <laughs> i watched it for absolutely no reason so i was like determined for someone to pick that and luckily luckily we had a Shanti Omkar on the podcast and she picked it Amazing. um so thankfully thankfully i didn't watch it for nothing because it's fucking awful yeah <laughs> sorry
1: it is that it is that thing we like looking at like but obviously, there is like a kind of cottage industry of like terrible sequels, and like mm. I've I I've, I kind of fall down rabbit holes of looking at stuff on like Wikipedia and stuff, so, and I'm always fascinated by I guess they're like faux sequels where like a a studio picks up a film that's already been made and they just like tur- like turn it into a sequel. Like yeah, I recently oh, I say recently, maybe like two years ago now, I picked up eight millimeter two um, oh is that is that a thing it is a, <laughs> but it is it is one of those like by by name like it was it yeah. was something else like before. s darko yeah like, or 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 like uh american psycho 2 they kind mm. of make a couple of tweaks and like go yeah 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 this is a sequel to that and it's like is it though like or is this like you really like uh cynically just do you know what i mean like trying to mm. trying to uh, swindle people into just like by name recognition <laughs> going yeah, but, uh, i better give that a go like it's, i think it's that same thing of all those straight to dvd movies that use like the same yeah. same colorway or like ape a poster of a famous film and then do you know what i mean like Y- your dad in Astor on a Friday night, he's picking up some lagers, and a yeah, this is a, a middle-aged man just goes, "Oh yeah, that that looks vaguely like June." Yeah, I'll pick that up, and you you get it home, and it's like June reckoning, and it's some like straight to DVD movie where it's like, "What the fuck is this?"
2: <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's always got that subtitle. It's always like requiem yes. or reckoning or something like that, and you're like, that's when you know it's going to be bad.
1: Uh, <laughs> amazing. Well, yeah, I, I, I could talk to you about sequels all night because they're they're a fast. Oh, and I, and I'm going to about a, a particular <laughs> one, but before we get to meet the fuckers, um, I'd like to know, yeah, your kind of copeland credentials and your way into the Copler family. When did you kind of become aware of them? as an entity but who was your entry point was there like a a, a certain member of the family you saw yeah whose film you would have seen first
3: so probably unknowingly it's probably nicolas cage because but i probably i don't i didn't realize he was a copler at that mm-hmm. at that point um so it would have been things like face off and con air and the rock and all those classic kind of Nick cage movies that that are just brilliant um but i think my first real kind of realization of of the Coppola family was was actually probably not the Godfather. I don't, I didn't watch the Godfather until a, a little bit too late. I was at, <laughs> I was like I was at uni by the time I watched Godfather, um, but I remember catching Apocalypse Now on like Film Four when I was about oh, eighteen, yeah. seventeen or eighteen, and uh, and thinking, Christ, this is incredible.
2: Yeah, so I like, this <laughs> this
3: this thing is amazing. And so that was my kind of my first and a Francis Ford Coppola, and then obviously, like, lost in translation, so I was like, oh, hang on, this has come along. And then, yeah, I was horrifically late to The Godfather, and I didn't watch The Godfather Part 2 until we started doing the podcast, so it was only, like, <laughs> a year ago that I watched The Godfather Part 2, and I still haven't seen Part 3.
1: Well, there's there's something, like, fascinating about, because there's so many people who would have watched, like, because I, I, I was one, and I never really said, I don't for ages I would say, I, re- I really haven't watched The Godfather, because... I maybe watched it when i was like 13 and i think like oh, when right, you okay sometimes it's good to just like i i do it with films there's loads of great films i haven't seen and like mm. now i kind of put them off and be like that's in my back pocket like people everyone says this is great or like people like i i know and trust go like you'll love that like i've never seen uh close encounters of the third kind and i'm like yeah. load, loads of people say to me like you all love that. And I'm like, I've got that in my back pocket of like, do you know what
3: I mean? When I'm kind of like... When you're in the right place. Yeah, I'll be like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or like when you get to a certain age, do you know what I mean? Like Mm. some films, like there's there's films that I really love from the past like few years. Like, yeah, I watched Come On, Come On last year. And I was like... I reckon if I'd seen that as a teenager, I'd have been like, "What's this black and white guff?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But watching yeah. it as like a thirty-one-year-old, like father of one, who, like I was like, "Oh yeah!" Like, th- like uh, <laughs> this is a film about a guy who creates essentially podcasts and is trying to connect with a young child. I was like, this film kind of hit me at the perfect time in my life, and I think, I think yeah, w- like to. To thinking back to the godfather i think when you watch it young like 12 mm. 13 you kind of watch it on that surface level of oh there's shooting and stuff like that but then if you really think about it and i i probably had that opinion when i was younger it's like it's a proper like, I was like it's a dad movie Do you know what i mean it's a lot of talk. <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of Definitely talking in a rooms dad movie. and then yeah. When like yeah, watching it later, you put like I don't know how how your thingy to it was, but I kind of
3: watched it. So I'd started university when I started when I watched it, and it was Uh it was we were, I think we we did a did a module on like gangster movies, Uh and uh, and a lot of it was British gangster movies. Um, But yeah, The Godfather obviously kind of comes up quite prevalently in that. So I thought, (laughs) do you know what? It's a big hole in my, you know, in my watch, in my film knowledge. I better watch it. And so at the time, I was kind of looking out for all the kind of like the mise-en-scene and the the kind of the filmmaking and the cues that it gives you visually to other things. And, you know, so I'm watching it very much from a film studies kind of perspective um, rather than just kind of watching it for for enjoyment, really. So maybe I need to go back and watch it again to like get it for, for a purely pleasurable kind of perspective because in my head it just exists as like this kind of thing thing that i studied you know like this this thing that yeah
1: earlier this year i watched it like probably more than somebody should in like a quick succession. i think i watched it like three or four times like in the space of like six weeks because i was like i'm doing an episode on it i've really got (laughs) to like soak this film in and like got to see it for the the new 4k restoration at the cinema and stuff like that and it is one of those and it's it's kind of set it's set about so much stuff but like you do get something new from it each time and like one of the like when i saw it at the cinema i was like this is going to be a totally purely enjoyable experience do you know what I mean like i went out to like a local um italian deli bought myself some cannolis to like sneak into the cinema but <laughs> like, i was like i'm gonna really uh, and like kind of when the famous line like leave the gun take the cannoli came on i kind of like t- quietly <laughs> went, oh, oh. T- yeah took a cannoli out the back like here we go <laughs> It, 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 it was all good until I got like a nut stuck down my throat and I was like, I've got, oh no. I've got like two hours left and I'm nearly choking in the cinema. Like,
3: Oh, God. <laughs> On illegal legal food I've smuggled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. My, bo- my bottle of pop had run out as well. I'm like,
3: oh. oh. nightmare. I'm going to turn blue like
1: Luca Brazzi and just die in a, in a screening of The Godfather. Um. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, I would always well, I I I would always recommend someone watch it for purely pleasure reasons. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, wait, I was just gonna say it's great. Like nobody's ever said that before. I'd really, go, really sincerely, I say, so yeah, it's, it's really great. Like, 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 you don't know that. Right? <laughs>
3: well, see, this, this is the thing. Like, every I mean, everybody says it's great. And uh, you know, and everyone says that part two is the best sequel ever. And uh, do you know what? I don't. I'm probably the only person who doesn't like part two as much as the first part. Potentially, if, You know, a lot of people think that part two is better than part one. I don't know. I don't think it is for me. I think it's. I like the De Niro side of the story more than I like the Pacino side of the story.
1: I, 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 I've, I, I've said this before with part 2 is that part, yeah part 1 is a more enjoyable watch it's a rewatchable mm. movie whereas part 2 is like you kind of watch it and go wow that is really impressive you know yeah I mean? oh yeah yeah absolutely like the kind of balancing act of the two timelines going on the kind of the, the mirroring and the kind of like mm. that thing of one man's ascent To being something and one man's like decline into kind of madness and deception and just like evil yeah it's kind of it's 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 kind of like really operatic really great and it is that thing of like whereas number one is like it's pretty just fun it's quite funny and like number two is like let's kind of strip all that away because and I think that that's why it's like part two. It's like we're just descending further into hell.
3: Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like It doesn't feel as, I think with part two, it doesn't feel as instantly quotable as part one. You know, like everyone sort of gets the part one, like, you come to me on the day of my daughter's yeah. wedding. Like, you know, that kind of, you know, there were lines from part one you can quote. I don't think I could quote anything much from part two, really. No, I guess um,
1: one and three have like ultimate quotable lines. You've got 3 you've got the
3: just when I thought I was out, They pulled me back in, like, "Ah, uh, is that from three is it yeah. i I've, I've not seen three yet, yeah, so yeah. I still need to watch it. It's, <laughs> it,
1: it, it it's It's good for that line alone., uh, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, two two, if anything, it's probably got one of the most like gifable moments ever with the kind of any act of betrayal like my go-to thing if someone's like slighted me or just like i'm joking to you like you've slighted me i just go for the the michael fredo kiss do you know like when he's like oh uh, yeah, kn- yeah i knew it was you fredo like that like but you don't i don't know and un- unless yeah. you're kind of with your like film friends you like if you just mm. said to somebody you do you know what I mean oh, i i knew it was you fredo they'd probably look at you like why is, he talking, why is he talking about like everly, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ever increasing price chocolate right now. I'm not talking about Fredo bars, guys. I'm talking, I'm talking about the Godfather Part Two. <laughs> do he call me Fredo? <laughs> yeah, really? I, so yeah, I, I, I definitely get you on that point. Um, now, have you ever met a couple rich? It's kind of, I, I, you never know. You never I mean, I very much
3: doubt it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I don't think I have, no. Um, unless, I, I mean, the only time I would have, I would, unless any of them cropped up on Midsummer Murders. So I did an internship on Midsummer Murders when I was at uni. Um, and that's about the closest I would ever get to like filmmaking, really, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, un- <laughs> I- unfortunately, I- I- I'm not going to have to do a mini series on the like, run of Midsummer Murders because, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're no no are involved. But uh.
3: John Nettles is not a copler. No, last time I checked, no, he's not on the family
1: tree. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh. amazing. Any 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 juicy goss from the. Uh, from, from from the set of midsummer murders
3: or? <laughs> <laughs> I mean we're talking 20 years ago so uh, no not really um, all I I mean other than if you watch very closely you can see my feet a couple of times okay. um, where I like had to yeah be like a dead body and my friend my, my friend rich my other friend rich is uh, was with me he was a dead body and a donkey at one point. Um, but did yeah, you, <laughs> did you know this
1: kind of stuff like beforehand, or is it like on the day? Be like,
3: no, no. When you're a runner, you just do what he told. You just do anything. <laughs> you just go and do stuff, and just you know, just do yeah. it. <laughs> go yeah, and stop yeah, traffic. Yeah. Like right, fight, Put this high vis on and go and stop traffic coming past. Yeah. It's like basically going get be sworn out for four hours.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what one one day it's like? Can you hold this door closed because it, it creaks? We don't want it to interrupt the sound. Yeah. Next, yeah. Can you be a dead body? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it.
3: Yeah, one day you're a dead body. Next day you're a donkey. Then you're on traffic duty. <laughs> next day you bring John Nettles his sandwiches. Like you know, it's the, yeah. This the, the next day you're hanging out with the props guys who all worked on Gladiator. You know, it's it's wild. Perfect. perfect. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. They're they're all they're all swapping stories about uh Oliver Reed. Oh, hell,
3: <laughs> yeah. That shoot.
1: <laughs> <Bloody hell. laughs> the secret life of a of a runner. There you go. Amazing. So, um, what would have been the first film you would have seen that John Swartzman was the cinematographer on?
3: Oh wow. Okay. Right. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. Let's have a think. So, what has he done? So, other than this, he's he's what? what, Ed TV? Maybe. He's pretty
1: prolific. So he did Armageddon. He did Airheads.
2: Did I, the rock? He did do
3: the rock. Yeah, I think the rock was probably the first one. Then I should think he did Pearl Harbor as well, didn't he?
1: Yeah, like I always think about it. Like <laughs> he is kind of instrumental in Michael Bay's aesthetic in a way. He you is, what I mean like he's yeah. kind of like he was there, like in the kind of testing ground for mm. yeah for for Michael Bay kind of. Figuring out his whole thing, which is like, I don't know. It's like, wh- whatever your feelings on Michael Bay are, it's like, he's John Swartzman just as culpable
3: as, well, as Michael Bay. Well, in that Bay. case. Ah, <laughs> oh, do you know what? Do you know what the first movie I would have seen was? He's, he did Benny in June. Yes. And I quite like that movie. I've always quite liked that movie. That's, that's probably the first one I actually saw. But yeah, if he's responsible, he didn't do the Transformers movie, so did he? Because... So. You know they are an abomination. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, Michael Bay has a lot to answer for. I'm not going to blame John Schwartzman for for those atrocities.
1: See, I've got like I've got like a real love hate relationship with Michael Bay. I'm kind of like, like I'm a big and I, like this is becoming a running thing on this podcast. I am a I am mm. a massive fan of Ambulance. Like I absolutely. I've not seen it, but
3: then I genuinely dislike Michael Bay's work mostly. (laughs) So, Bad Boys is acceptable, and then I think everything else I don't like.
1: (laughs) Not even Armageddon? You don't like Armageddon? I mean... The Rock!
3: I I don't... I I, I forgot The Rock was Michael Bay. No, I do like The Rock, that's true. Armageddon... Armageddon's very schlocky. I don't know, I just kind of... I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But I wouldn't put it in my kind of, you know, like, this is a movie I love kind of thing. But The Rock, you're right. I forgot, I forgot about The Rock. What That's is, a great movie.
1: What is crazy about those two films is they are both in the Criterion collection. Armageddon? Are they? Yeah, so, <laughs> so you think about all of the kind of great talents who, are not, who don't have films in the Criterion collection. Michael Bay has two.
2: Jesus. <laughs> Uh, madness
1: and if madness. i had my way i'd have three with ambulance because it's great
3: <laughs> i've not seen it so you could be right you could be right that's like for, maybe it's the best movie that i've not seen that, that's uh, for
1: everyone at home with their bingo cards waiting for me to mention <laughs> ambulance. To yeah, you <laughs> ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah speaking of john sportsman well let's talk about meet the fuckers but before we do mm. let's have a listen to the trailer
3: good afternoon ladies and gentlemen this is captain jack byrne
1: speaking
2: Yay, Daddy.
3: we should be
1: arriving at the fucker family residence in approximately 0, 900 hours man reaches a certain age when he realizes what's truly important you know what that is love and
3: friendship just love i think his legacy that too. If your
1: family circle joins my family circle, they'll form a chain. I can't have a chink in my chain.
3: Is that your father? Boom. That is my father. Jack Burns, <laughs> Sam's father. Give me some love. <laughs>
2: no. What are you so <laughs> shy about? <laughs> Come here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good icebreaker. Hello! I'm Roz Fockert. Look, son, I've displayed all your awards. I didn't know they made ninth place ribbons. They have them up to 10th place. There's a bunch of them on the A for Effort shelf there my family is a little quirky i'm a sex therapist who specializes in senior sexuality but they're really well-intentioned greggy practically slept in our bed till he was 10. oh i don't think it was quite that long yeah it was but...
0: that long your parents are great <laughs> guys come on come on cut it
2: out trust me your dad is very worried there's going to be a chink in the chain
3: Tina, you and i'll take on jack and ross come on jack it'll be fun we'll swap wives
1: Universal Pictures and DreamWorks Pictures present... I'm not so sure this wedding is such a good idea. I don't like what I'm seeing from these fulkers. I got
2: my you seem anxious. Let me work out the kinks. Don't, don't, don't! I was trying to do you a favor. You were riding him like Seabiscuit. Just make Jack feel a little more comfortable here. Morning, partner.
1: Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller, Dustin Hoffman, and Barbara Streisand. Just
2: make sure Moses doesn't go in there. They have a cat. (laughs) JT, don't do it. No! no. Moses! The cat can flush? That's my toilet!
0: Close your mouth, Moses!
2: Meet the Fockers. Going good so far, right?
0: Still, I don't know what to do.
2: So,
1: Meet the Fockers was made on a budget of $80 million and had a box office return of $522.7 million and was released on December 22nd, 2004. Rich, would you like to do us the honor of telling us what this film is all about?
3: (laughs) It's quite a, quite a running joke on our podcast that Dave will often spring things on me and ask me to do synopsis of film off the top of my head. And I'm rubbish at it, so I apologise <laughs> in advance. Essentially, it follows on from the first movie, Meet the Parents, where um, Greg, Gaylord Fokker, um, meets his to-be wife's parents, um, played by Robert De Niro, and I can't remember what the, who it is who plays his wife, sorry. Live Danner? Yes, yeah, you're on it, um, and yeah, they um essentially Robert De Niro's next CIA agent. So he, he grills he grills Greg, um, tries to find out think, uh, everything about him, and also that's a nice, it's quite a nice kind of fish out of water kind of film because Greg is the sensible one. In this movie, the parent the, the they get to meet, Greg's parents, um, who are very kind of hippie, very opposite to. To the like the uh, the other parents, and uh, it's kind of that awkward how they kind of gel together as two families. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: One of the things I thought whilst watching this film, is kind of I'm going to say it up front because it kind of just be like burning a hole in my brain to say it.
3: <laughs> is it, it felt
1: like a a not so good version of the Birdcage? if you've ever seen that the,
3: i've the, not seen the birdcage no but
1: so that I, that is like yeah so robin williams and nathan lane play a gay couple and their son is like marrying someone
3: and uh oh i think i have seen the birdcage that yes. does ring a bell yeah
1: her parents are played by diane wiest and gene hackman and yes, super conservative he's like a kind of mm. republican a like senator or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To that effect. And then it's like it's got that element of like you need to diminish yourself in order to impress these people and like Nathan Lane. A, a film that has been covered on 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 this here podcast cuz it has a of connection, but I I just <laughs> felt all the way through watching it. I was like oh this just feels like The Bad Cage but nowhere near as fun.
3: Yeah, it, it and I think that's the thing, isn't it it's It's actually not that funny, mm. like the first one the first one is that like it gets its it's fun from um from like uh Ben Stiller's character being like the normal one, like the one the relatable one, the one you kind of relate with, and you feel bad for him because he's going through all this torture from de Niro essentially and de Niro is very straight, you know it's not cracking gags or anything, whereas the second one kind of. Relies on De Niro to be a bit more of the comedy chops, essentially. And, you know, I don't think it pays off very well. The cast is great. And I think the major thing this movie does that's impressive is make such a good cast so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so,
1: so, so before we kind of, yeah, dig into it and kind of really pick apart like what kind of works and, what doesn't work in this film when would you have first in this film would you have said like would was did you have a relationship to the first film were you anticipating no, seeing this not or?
3: really no no not really i think i was talking this over with dave i'm i'm 80 sure i saw this on a date um so i'm pretty sure i went to watch it with a on a date we would have been at university so it would have been would have been like Cineworld world in Cheltenham um and yeah would have been a, on a date and I gotta be honest the movie does not stick out <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah I'm 90% sure that yeah I was not concentrating on the movie at the time
1: like, I, I thought back to like when when did I first see this and this was definitely one I remember seeing in the cinema I would have been like 13 when this film came out and I like probably would have like be like, like it's a play <laughs> on the word fuck like the title is fucker and like the, the film very much knows that as well like any oh, opportunity gosh.
3: there's so many jokes about the fucker name like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna be ma fuck i'm gonna be <laughs> pam ma for fucker i know how that sounds like <laughs> oh have you met randy and orny yeah and, yeah <laughs> Like,
3: who's called Orny? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah Come yeah, yeah. on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I, w- I would have said it then, and I remember like having a pirate tape of this. Mm, okay. Like, I don't know why. Maybe like my parents. But yeah, I remember. I remember enjoying the first one, and I'm gonna like be upfront here. I intended to watch both of them, but then I realised time is precious and life is fleeting and do i really want to give away four hours of my life potentially just for some background research and from like putting it out to twitter and like social media i kind of think like i, I don't know uh,
2: i should People have liked this the first movie one. i should have and i should have
3: watched the first one cause the I first one's have... a lot better yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The first one's a lot better, and obviously the third one is a lot worse by all accounts. I've not seen the third one, but from what everybody says, the third third one is a is an abomination. Um, this is this is not. It's just it, it's all right. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's just
1: I, I just have like a lot of questions because obviously it's a four year gap between the two films. Yeah, what like I. But first of all when the film starts it's like what is the gap between the events of the first one and this one
3: I mean it can't be that long surely like it's not you are talking like a, a year or so I would think sure it can't be that long Yeah
1: cuz how like and, and and I think the sticking point is, is like one how old is that kid and how old is that kid meant to be like that, yeah. I think that is <laughs> that is one of the big things in this it's like right so Little Jack, how old is he meant to be? Like first word, like what we speak. We're thinking anything from nine months to eighteen months, maybe. Yeah, so it ish, could be yeah. later.
3: Like, yeah, got to be that kind of time. Yeah. So was was her was she? she the, Little Jack is the sister's kid, right? who
1: is he's. Okay. he's who is no? totally absent from this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah who's
3: completely she's... not in it? Yeah, um, but the sisters not pregnant in the first one, is she? Or it, it, I don't know. So maybe it's a bit longer than a year.
2: Maybe
1: she is. I am. Um...
3: I can't remember. I can't remember.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, this is this is probably why I should have. Uh, I should have. <laughs> I, I all I remember from the first one involving the sisters. I'm pretty sure that he spikes a volleyball. Unless Into breaks, her nose. Yeah, yeah. Breaks yeah. her nose. <laughs> yeah, that's what like, I was thinking. <laughs> which would have been even worse if he did that to a pregnant woman.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think she is pregnant. I think, so it must be, it's got to be a good couple of years then in that case between the two. All right.
1: But then it feels totally, like, just logically, it like, from that, from that, it just doesn't make sense because it feels like It's the first time she's meeting his parents, or is it like they don't go into? She
3: definitely says that like she's met them before. Like they definitely talk like they've met before, so maybe that makes more sense. But it just
1: doesn't like I don't know. Like she's sidelined, right? Like the
3: yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Pam is totally sidelined. Like a a little nugget of information I found out whilst researching this film is, um. Yeah, Terry Polo's career kind of like she thought like or like everyone thought the one two punch of these two films would kind of I don't know, like kind of give her career a, a real kick up the arse. And mm. um really didn't and it's it somebody has taken the time on Wikipedia to I just found this very weird and kind of interesting that somebody had put this is the year after this film um she uh yeah she she did a playboy shoot to kind of try and like boost her career again which i thought was a very very bizarre kind of
2: (laughs) yeah
3: that is a bit weird like the only thing only other thing i know her from is like the west wing like she's uh matt santos's wife in the west wing that's that's about it that's the only other thing i can think i know her from
1: yeah, which is so. So we talk about the cast of this film. So obviously, yeah, we have we have Ben Stiller, Terry Polo, we have Bob De Niro, we have Dustin Hoffman, Barbara Streisand. Mm.
3: What do you think? O- Owen Wilson comes back at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Kind of yeah. like a,
1: a thankless task of like, <laughs> hey, you're in the first yeah. one. Come on back. Uh What? Like, yeah. What do you make of Ben Stiller's performance in this film? Like, is it kind of? I, I don't know. I. I'm not sure how you think I mean, about it. Like, yeah, you go.
3: He's he's just Ben he's to me, he's kind of Ben Stiller in every movie. He's the same person, isn't he? Like, you know, I don't think uh he sort of plays it well in in a sense of like the kind of frustration, like the awkwardness and the frustration and the but it's the same character that he plays in the first one, obviously, but this is that's the first character the same as the character he plays in you know, like something about Mary, for example, like you know, it's it's like he does, he does feel like that same person. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: like, yeah, like this era, what you've got, like a long cane poly and stuff. Like yeah, that. again, kind of, same the, character, essentially, the heartbreak kid. Like, he's, he's yeah. very much is playing like <laughs> Ben Stiller, like, yeah, and he has moments where he's like kind of great. I love, I think he does a really good, like, angry. Like there are moments when he gets to kind of like, like fly off the handle, and I think there's yeah the moment where he just tells everyone to shut up, and it's like I kind of want more of this, like, Mm. but then it kind of does like something, and yeah, I don't know, a disservice to his character because watching it this time, one of the things I realised is like Greg is just a bit of a dick.
3: Like he is a bit of a dick, yeah. He is. He's like, like there's so many things that wouldn't happen to him if he was an actual functioning human being. <laughs> like yeah, he is a dick.
2: <laughs>
1: and it's like just things that you can't really like yeah, we get it, like dealing with in-laws or like like do you know what I mean? Your yeah, your girlfriend's par uh, parents and stuff, all of that kind of stuff is difficult. But there is an element where like you have got to stand your ground to some degree. Like, do you know what I mean? And just like Yeah,
3: but also just relax a little bit. Yeah. Like, is it really that bad? Like, come on. <laughs> you know, you don't have to impress your in-laws that much. You know?
2: <laughs>
1: and like when it comes to the whole bit where he's like trying to diminish who his parents are, which like mm kind of like feels like an interesting kernel for a film to like that be the kind of tug and pull of the film. But this film kind of overloads it with so much stuff and kind of feels like it's doing similar things to the first one where like the kind of main focus of it is uh Jack De Niro's character kind of going, I don't trust you, Greg.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And like
1: looking for ways that he, don't tr- he doesn't trust him where like, there's moments where it becomes about like the parents and stuff like that. And like the, the kind of, I don't know. I
3: yeah, do feel parents. like if like, if my father-in-law was like, I don't trust you, you are not my circle of trust. I'd be like, all
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like you're not, spoke like, I don't know. Like who is that kind of invested to like, yeah. Make yeah. Sure. That they like, do you know what I mean? Like, they, they they care about them that much, and they want to, like, be in it. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't want to be, you know what I mean, in a circle of... Well, fuck you, mate. Like, it's not me. I'm, it's not you I'm trying to make happy. Do you know what I mean? It's your yeah, daughter.
3: Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. That's it. Like, I'm just like, well, yeah, all right. We'll get on, but, you know, don't need to be in your circle of trust. Cheers, fella. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, we're talking about the car, let's let's kind of talk about the people who stand out. Then we'll kind of get to the people who kind of done a disservice in this film. Um...
3: (laughs) So the big standout for me, essentially the one who carries the comedy chops of this movie is the little kid. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically the baby. Everything funny that happens in this, in this movie. And let's, let's be honest. The big joke in this movie is a baby saying arsehole. Yeah. And I mean, that's the best thing about it. So much so that when my son was about eight, nine months old, I tried really hard to get his first word to be "asshole." It wasn't. It wasn't. My wife wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> I would sit down with him and go, "Asshole." <laughs> no, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's a question I've got on
1: my sheet here. It feels like a perfect way, a perfect time to talk about it. I, yeah is it the one son you have or do you have
3: Yeah, you know, just one yeah yeah
1: has he ever like was there like a, a young age where he swore like yeah is, is that, a, not, that
2: not
3: not really swore but i've got a really good video of him where he'd like he'd spent the day with my brother and and he came back saying beer beer <laughs> <laughs> beer like he'd point the stuff and be like beer And i've got a little video of him just playing with his cars going beer beer <laughs> like he's not staying with you again <laughs>
1: to, to kind of jump off of that i've got like a great story of, so my son has just turned four maybe when he's like two and a half and i know exactly who to blame for this it's my stepdad because he would always he, you, they would always play like blow men together and they would be They'd be like, uh, he had like a kind of construction set, and they would, they would mm. play, they would, they would play together, and be like, "Oh, the, the day's finished. They're going to the pub." And I think my stepdad, one too many times, let, um, they're getting pissed, <laughs> slip from his mouth, and then so he started to associate going to work, going to the pub, getting <laughs> pissed, and one day his mum picks him up. From my house like on the handover day um he was, yeah he he, he spends mondays with my mom because i go to work and then mm. uh she said to him oh so um how was the weekend and he just kind of totally ignored that question and said dada's at work and she's like oh okay and he's like yeah dada's in the pub dada's getting pissed And i was like <laughs> she told me that and i was like oh no like
3: Brilliant, is brilliant. That, is that like my
1: son's, Like, is he going around telling people that is what I do? Like, he yeah, he's going to work, he's getting pissed. <laughs>
3: I remember um, running a bath for my son about that similar age and like knocking something into the bath and going like, oh, Jesus. And then like, picking it out my my son going, cheeses, <laughs> cheeses, daddy, cheeses. <laughs> Amazing.
1: Like, that sounds so much more wholesome.
3: You know I mean? yeah. it, sounds like,
1: it sounds like a young Wallace from Wallace Robin. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's it. <laughs> Jesus,
1: <laughs> my son sounds like a lout. He's down the pub. He's getting
3: pissed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's down the next head.
3: Brilliant. My um, my little brother is quite a lot younger than me, and um, when he when he, when he was about two. Um, me and my me and my other brother had taught him to say uh, instead of burger and chips we taught him to say bugger and shits oh. so he used to be like i'd go to mcdonald's for some bugger and shits amazing <laughs> we weren't popular <laughs> that is the thing and i think
1: that this film cashes in on the fact that there is something inherently funny about kids swearing
3: there is there is like with a rum ball, gets stuck to his hands and stuff. And he yeah. sat there being like, asshole. And he's watching Scarface. Like
1: that yeah. was a moment when I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this film. And it's because I'm I'm watching Brian De Palma's like Scarface right now. But like vicariously through this film. Like,
3: Yeah, yeah. And and that is it. That's the best performance in the film, I think. So let's is give, that little kid. Let's give a shout
1: out to Spencer and Bradley Pickren who both played little jack as as is common the case uh, good job it's actually actually (laughs) twins um so yeah with the cast obviously you mentioned robert de niro's like performance in this and obviously he's trying to he's got to carry some more of like the comedy weight in this Mm, like yeah why is it that you think it fails like and and i guess this is a perfect opportunity to talk about robert de niro in comedy, which seems to be like a weird turn. Yeah, well, I think
3: it was that kind of time when uh, like Jack Nicholson had done it in About Schmidt and it was kind of fashionable to bring these kind of actors into comedy. And I think also it was a time when wasn't De Niro kind of down on his luck a little bit and he was saying yes to a lot of stuff because he needed to be able to pay the bills. Yeah, I Um, I think
1: he was like really into getting real estate and like obviously he's got like the tri like the whole like tribeca studios and stuff like that and he's like, mm. i think mean, it's just like i want to expand this how can i do it i could be in rocky and Bullwinkle. i could be in <laughs>
3: yeah
1: is he in analyze this and analyze that is that him in that as I well i think
3: so yeah something like that and then he's in like bad grandpa and all those <sighs> kind of things as well isn't he which is just i just think well, he has to carry the comedy He he's great as a straight man And I think, you know, that works really well. And actually, like, if you go back to the start of his career early on, like, to things like Midnight Run, Uh like, you know, he's really good as, like, a straight man in that. Um, And actually, he can so he can do that. I just think when he's, when he's lent on for a bit of the comedy, it just doesn't quite pay off. You know, he's not that, he's a different kind of presence.
1: Like, when you get to the end of this film and he's kind of asking Roz for all of like the tips on how to be like a well-renowned shagger,
2: it's like
3: yeah, that's fucking awkward, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't buy it. I don't, nah. I don't,
1: I'm like sentiment, like and mm. kind of smokes with this character. I don't buy it. Like De De Niro doesn't quite like deliver it in the, and it's a a real shame. Yeah, I think there was like a thing of like by the late 90s, it's kind of like star addict dipped. And it took a yeah. while. Like you even look to, what, like last year he's in that film, like, War with my grandpa, is it? Like. Oh like,
3: yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Like it,
1: him and Christopher Walken, like against, like, it's like kind of like home alone meets, I don't know, like a battle over a bedroom. And like, I've isn't... seen that movie. <laughs> <It's>
3: fucking awful. <laughs> It's yeah, it's not good. You're right. It's it's yeah. It's basically a kid objecting to his grandpa staying in his bedroom. I'm like, grow up, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Shit happens. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I just think I just think it falls down. On in contrast, though, I actually think like Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand are actually really good. Mm -hmm. Like as as the as the Fockers, you know, I think they're a really good, believable kind of. Hippy couple, and Dustin Hoffman kind of plays it like a like a teenage boy trapped in an old man's body, essentially. And I, I think that's I think that's the right way to go.
1: Well, there, there's some like yeah, because I think that role was offered
3: to James
1: Brolin originally. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow.
3: Okay. So and then
1: and then Jay Roach had a meeting with Dustin Hoffman. And another another name that was floating about was Robin Williams, which I think well, like, yeah. would have like again would have would have been great. Like mm. probably could have saved this film. Do you know what I mean? If you had Robin Williams kind of but like kind of bowed to uh Dustin Hoffman with like, nah, let like Dustin's the guy. Cause um yeah, Jay yeah. Roach had a meeting with him and apparently he was just like really chatty and stuff like that. He's like, oh, that is Bernie. Like that is the kind of energy we need for this
3: character. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think they got it right, you know. I think he's he's good. And yeah, like I said, like Barbara streisand's actually really good. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not of course she's really good. She's really good in everything. But she is yeah, I think she's particularly good in this, which is a different kind of role than we're used to seeing her in.
1: Well I think with those two especially they look like they're having fun but yeah, like, in the way do. that's like infectious not in the mm. way of like sometimes in comedies you get it where it looks like people are having fun but we're not invited into the fun whereas those two it is like they are just like quite fun loving people and it's like I would like to spend time with them and that's like when it comes to the whole thing with like Greg trying to diminish them it's like I don't know as a pretty kind of like free like liberal person myself I'm like they they're
3: great. Do you know what I mean? If like, I'm
0: <laughs> yeah. like, like,
1: like if they were my parents, I'd be like, yeah, great. Like, like.
3: But then, that's... don't you always want to be the opposite of your parents? Like, yeah, yeah Then you that... kind of rail against like becoming your parents.
1: But you know, not, like, not that my parents are like Jack and Thingy, but like, <laughs> I kind of like in in in, in any way whatsoever. But that, it's like just that thing of like, yeah, my my has always been like. Yeah, just be who you are, do you know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah, like I'm the kind of weirdo dark sheep in my family, like, lo- <laughs> loads of people kind of always, oh, yeah, yeah, it just kind of does his own thing, like, that's kind of like quite commendable and stuff like that. And like, it's something I try and like instill in my son and stuff like that. Is it like, hey, mm. you, you are who you are, like, yeah, you know I mean, and like, I, I find myself probably like telling people off, like, yeah, my sister recently said, like he mentioned a girl's name from play school. She's like, is that your girlfriend? I was like, don't do that. Don't say <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't want to make, we don't want to make relationships with females be a weird thing. Like, no, is is it an impressionable age? Like stop that shit. Right. And I'm probably, I'm probably like, yeah, she's probably there, going like, it's woke asshole.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I would saying the same thing to my wife about my son. Like my son's seven and a half now. We talk about girlfriends and stuff and he's like he just thinks girlfriends are friends. Like right? yeah. I was like, Don't don't go down this pushing the whole like girlfriend thing. And like even when she talks about the dog, she's like talks about the dog's girlfriend. And I'm like, Not his girlfriend, it's just another dog who lives yeah. around the corner. <laughs> you know, like yeah, We just, don't have to do this.
1: <laughs> I I yeah, I, I just think back to like being a teenager and like any girl I was friends with, like just that kind of mortifying feeling when like a parent will be like so are they are they (laughs) they, your girlfriend your girlfriend it's like (laughs) no like it's just someone i enjoy spending time with like and it's like yeah i don't i don't want to i don't want to push that upon i don't i don't want to push that upon a teenager let alone a four-year-old yeah yeah exactly confused as it is of everything that's going on do you mean like he'll see somebody he knows out of context and be like bewildered so don't start throwing concepts like girlfriend at him like mm. he,
0: he doesn't need that yet <laughs>
2: <laughs> that will come Not in for time a while. <laughs>
1: guess it's time to talk about people who were like given the short end of the stick in this film and I, I guess the people well no I don't, I don't guess I know that the people who are given the short end of the stick in this film are Terry Polo and Blythe Danner who kind yeah. of don't really get to do a lot in this film, considering like I don't know there's not that many characters in this film, and it feels like a real shame that these two don't mm. really get their time to shine like what did no. you think of the kind of poultry stuff that they get to do in this film
3: uh well I mean Terry Polo especially, I feel like have you if you heard of the sexy lamp test ah. so' it's- Basically, it's a, it's a, a sort of the <laughs> feminist film theory where could you replace a female character with a sexy lamp, uh, essentially? <laughs> and I think with yeah, Terry Polo probably fails the sexy lamp test in this, that she could be replaced with a sexy lamp because she does so little. Mm-hmm. Uh, finds out she's pregnant, essentially. That's that's basically all that happens to her, isn't it? Like, And that, and that, um, that
1: feels like kind of justification in the film to just sideline her completely do you know what I mean it's like all yeah. of the kind of comedy set pieces they have from that point on it's like
3: she can't be in because she she's be pregnant in. so yeah yeah. Right. yeah it does it absolutely does like it really doesn't do a do service at all I think Blythe Dana has a little bit more but not really most of it is kind of like talking about her repressed sex life um, and again that's it's a minimal at best
1: we're talking about like yeah, feminist film theories. Like this definitely fails the Bechdel test as well, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Ev- every conversation <laughs> that any female is having in this film is about the male protagonists. Like completely, it's like, it's, yeah. It's Greg this or Jack that, or like it's never like how are you in yourself? Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like even when Roz and uh Dina are having a a talk, it's like. I just sex
3: life with with, with Jack. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's all it all boils down to Jack, doesn't it, in that family? He's the one who kind of like. And how the how how Dina has not pulled Jack aside before this and said, You're being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> stop being a dick. <laughs> how does that not happen? Like that happens in my relationship all the time. Me and my wife will pull each other aside and be like, being a dick now (laughs) like stop it like sort your life out (laughs) we do it to each other a lot like you know so i just don't understand why that doesn't happen
1: which is what you want because i that that is the thing like the kind of protagonists of this film are both quite unlikable like Mm. ben stiller and robert de niro's characters are quite unlikable guys even though like greg is I mean, he, he works in an ER. He seems to be like a nice guy. He just wants things to go right for himself and stuff like that. He just handles everything like absolute, like, like like bullshit. Yeah, you know I mean? like, yeah.
3: There's a lot of like... I gotta, A lot of the humour is sort of... I mean, it's verging on unacceptable these days, right? So there's a lot of jokes about Greg's name being Gaylord yeah. for a start. You know, I mean... I'm not sure that was funny in 2004. Like you know, it was it was probably verging on pre, being pretty awkward then. There's a lot of things about him being a male nurse uh-huh. and like being looked, looked down upon because he's a male nurse. I'm like, it just feels a bit kind of again in 2004. I think I think that felt a bit off.
1: Yeah, there's there, there there's a big vein of homophobia through this film, right? mm. and kind of anything that kind of. Uh, leans towards like LGBTQ plus at all. Like there is a line when they're playing uh, football, and Greg is the quarterback for both sides because it's two on two. Yeah, and like someone says, "Oh yeah, Greg's gonna go both ways." Jack's like, "Yeah, of course, yeah, uh, of, yeah, of, 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 of <laughs> course he does." And it's like, yeah, like I, I, I get it. Like you, you you're portraying somebody who is from that kind of viewpoint and Jack, but at the same time, the film itself is uh, goading the audience to be like, isn't that funny? Mm. Isn't it funny that his name is Gaylord Fokker? And it's like... Yeah, yeah. Is it though? Like, do you know what I mean? Is like, it? Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Is it that funny? Like, And also, is, he calls himself Greg. Everyone calls him Greg, right? Yeah. So why on his badge at work does it say Gaylord Fokker? that's only it's a greg wouldn't it right of course why does why that's only on there to make a homophobic joke right that's that's the only reason it exists
1: yeah like that and that's like the first gag of the film isn't it and it's like
3: yeah it is yeah
1: you helped deliver our son like we'll, we'll name him after you and it's like i kind of from that moment was like oh boy I'm not sure if we yeah, yeah. a good time here. Oh, boy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a t- an early 2000s movie. And then I was like, it's 2004. We were surely a bit past this by then. But maybe not. Maybe not. Hey, we we're, were still terrible people.
1: Yeah. Well, America <laughs> was still yet to, to to elect or just elect George Bush for a second term. So they didn't know what the fuck they were doing.
3: True. True. That's, that's fair. <laughs> maybe I'm... Maybe I'm uh, putting today's values on a on a film that's nearly 20 years old but still i think it's in 2004 i distinctly remember some of the jokes being like oh i don't think that's okay you know like so
1: and then if they're not okay they're kind of just a bit like poultry like jokes, a bit like,
3: of shit yeah. they're not even good jokes like come on <laughs> like, and you- like this is yeah
1: You could see what the film is going for, like kind of wants to be a bit screwball, like kind of like Mm. mismatch family and stuff like that. But
3: and I I like that. Like, give me national lampoons, like that's a screwball mismatch family comedy. Like, happy, happy to do that to watch that. That makes me. That's one of my favourite Christmas movies, Christmas Vacation. Like, but this, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't work. Doesn't fit. And then. Yeah, and talking of kind of cameo bits, I guess, and small parts, like they do drag Owen Wilson's character back into it at the end, don't they? Yeah, yeah. For yeah. no apparent reason other than he's his, his Owen Wilson. Yeah. Like... So, do you want to
1: come down to Miami for a day, Owen? He's like, yeah, yeah, all, right. Oh, yeah all right. Yeah, great. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah, I'll come down. Wow. I'll play the parts. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like, okay and it's like i know looking back on like looking back on this now it's like was there an element where like certain people from the first film were like yeah i'm not coming back like mm. or like you would have thought like the wedding the sister would have been there it just it all feels a bit confusing like there's no reason yeah. like does it explain where the sister is like i don't i <laughs>
3: I don't really like. It doesn't doesn't. really explain where she is, does it? No.
2: Yeah, that's weird. weird. That is weird. Yeah, it's it's not great.
3: (laughs) This is just not great. What?
1: What? I'm reading this just yeah here just now. Um. So the first film, and I think I think think this is an interesting avenue to take this conversation. So the first film at one point was going to be directed by Steven Soderbergh because first film is a remake of a 1992 film called Meet the Parents, which is like a super low budget uh, like Oh, right, okay Indie, yeah, indie film uh, so um, directed by Greg Gilliland who kind of has I think stars in it as well and like, yeah, it was made for like um a hundred thousand oh,
2: dollars that's like that was a that was the
3: the national lampoons made for video thing wasn't it yeah
1: yeah yeah. so like so really low budget and then like i think they realized like there is a bit more in this that we could make a like a remake of this steven Soderbergh was going to do it and then um Steven Spielberg was going to direct this film, like the first one, because obviously this is a DreamWorks film. DreamWorks is owned mm. by Steven Spielberg, and yeah, he was going to do it with Jim Carrey, interest like in the lead
3: role. Wow. Okay, that would have been a very different movie.
2: Yeah, like a
3: very different movie, surely. <laughs> and I think
2: it would have been left
1: at just the one like
3: yeah yeah
1: and uh, yeah i think would you have preferred to i don't don't know what the steven soderberg one would have been because i think (sighs) he was looking at doing it in like 95 and like decided to make yeah decided to make uh, out of sight in instead which was probably the right decision
2: yeah
3: probably the right decision um i i don't know like I can't even. I can't even get my head around what a version of this movie with Jim Carrey would have been like. Yeah, that, that, it would have been a very different movie.
1: And the and the film directed by Steven Spielberg as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I. Can't, I mean, Spielberg not
2: not known for comedy, really. Yeah, like strange Str-
3: yeah i don't know I don't ima- imagine uh, you've stumped me now imagine steven
1: soderbergh's trilogy of films was the meet the meet the trilogy as opposed to the oceans trilogy Do you know what I mean? like, imagine that was what he did instead like because what oceans 11 that was tw- that was 2000 as well wasn't it like imagine that was his kind of Path instead, he did meet the parents, meet the fuckers and little fuckers. No, thank in- you. <laughs> yeah,
3: instead of the oceans, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So, what would you? What would you been doing at, in like two thousand and four? In instead of this, then, like, oh God knows, I don't know, but um yeah so so you think like
1: spielberg could have potentially took this film instead of doing saving private ryan for instance depending on when it was like gonna get off the ground what a misstep that would have been (laughs) he could have done meet the parents instead of instead of saving private ryan
3: (laughs) so he did like steven Soderbergh. so it's like, he did Ocean's 12 in 2004, didn't he?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think like the first two, at least, kind of match years, it's like 2000, 2004, and I'm not sure when 13 was, mate. Probably before 2010. We
3: did, like, Erin Brockovich in 2000 as well, didn't he? Yes. Like, so that's quite a... And then Solaris as well.
1: Oh, he did... Yeah, so, yeah, 2000 was... Or was it 99? He did Traffic and Erin Brockovich... And then, like, lost out the Oscar for best director for Aaron Brokovich because he because he won the Oscar for uh, Traffic instead. Like, yeah, yeah. The guy was on like... a hot streak. If he had kind of <laughs> sullied that by doing this film in nineteen ninety five, you it, imagine oh, if he did the original.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I think both Stevens kind of made the right decision here and left it. I,
3: th- I think so. Yeah, Left it
1: to J- was... Jay Roach. What do you what do you make of Jay Roach as a director? Like were you aware of his kind of films? Obviously... Um so
3: he did he did um like Austin Powers, didn't he? I think that's where I kind of know him from. Yeah. Um is it he did Austin Powers, or I made that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: He did, yeah, yeah. He did both yeah, he did he I think he did all three Austin Powers films.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um so yeah, I think he I him from kind of Austin Powers. Um I'm not sure what else I know that he's done to be honest. Um Oh, he's done like he's tried to do
1: in his later years. We did that in 2010. I guess he turned down doing Little Fockers do dinner with schmuck, dinner for schmucks, which from what I remember was not good. Oh, was that the Paul Rudd and Steve Carell movie? Oh yeah.
3: That looks is that the one where they have to bring someone to dinner who's really awful or something? Yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah. It's like a remake of like a German film, I think. Like yeah, it's kind I mean, of it, interesting. It and then
3: just sounds fucking awful. <laughs> like, and then yeah. 2012, he did the campaign. Okay, that's that's um Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell, yeah, Sam Galifianakis. Yeah, and I I think that's pretty bad as well, isn't it? It's not. If it's, I remember right. It's not
1: great. But then, 2015. This is where it gets interesting.
3: Okay,
2: is he
1: directs Trumbo, the film about um, the kind of screenwriter who I think ended up on like the Hollywood blacklist because he had ties to communism at that kind of weird time in like. Hollywood oh right,
3: history. okay. I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen, but he did Bombshell. They did. Yeah,
1: he? he's tried to. I think from what I'm gathering is he saw. Adam McKay, like, kind of <laughs> yeah. take this pivot to something that was like a bit more serious, kind of like faux documentary, like faux real life, and has gone. I'm gonna, do you know what I'm gonna do that. Like, he's yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. He, he, do you know, what I mean with Trombo. he's has gone. Yeah, yeah. If, if 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 Adam McKay can do, um, oh, whoa, da, 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 what's the feel about? This the crash. Uh, yeah, if he's done that one, I could do Trambo and then he's got Bombshell. Oh, yeah, If he could, do, if he could do Vice, I could do Bombshell. Like, like yeah,
2: can you like, really?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a pivot. It's, it is a bit of a pivot. Like, um,
2: it's, oh, it's
3: yeah. It's a it's a weird kind of. It's a, it's a weird list of movies that he's made.
1: Yes one hundred per cent one hundred um so one of the things I have on my list here, rich, is if you were to cast your Hollywood parents, who would you cast
3: oh wow, okay, yeah, I' I'm fr- I'm oh, fr- that's I'm, an interesting I'm, one. I' thrown a curveball because i think I think <sighs> that um who would I want as my Hollywood parents, so who are co- most like my parents or who I would want to play my parents.
1: Let's go. Let's go. Who would be the perfect people to encapsulate your parents? Let's do, let's do that. Let's do that vein
2: of it. it? Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Oh man, I don't know. Like my, (sighs) who
3: would my dad want to play him? (laughs)
1: Well, um, say? who would who who would it, fit the bill?
3: It would have to be somebody relatively down to earth and a bit funny, like so. Maybe not all out
2: comedian, but capable of being a bit funny. Um, oh. I don't. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling i right.
1: know oh, this is this is a difficult question i'm not i'm kind this of this is a friend. really hard question yeah, I, I'm kind <laughs> like of regret. so let, 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 let's go with the, who would you want to be your hollywood parents let's do that who let's, would i want yeah, 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 you like
3: you ca- seem like good people i don't know i think like everyone anyone everyone's in hollywood who is like old enough to be my parent my, my sort of my parents age feel like they should be a lot younger if you know what i mean like hollywood people age like i'm pretty sure like tom cruise is a similar age to my dad
1: yeah you
2: know yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah like, i
1: think about yeah like kurt russell and is it goldie horn he's
2: yeah. yeah
1: they could they, they could easily be my they would parents. be
3: good hollywood parents wouldn't they yeah 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 there you go kurt russell and goldie horn that's a good one yeah but yeah i think um yeah tom cruise is like two years younger than my dad so there you go tom cruise could be my dad but then i don't want to go for the scientology nonsense yeah like,
1: <laughs> yeah like i think i think nicholas cage is like a year older than my mum. yeah that's it's mad isn't it yeah yeah yeah. so like yeah yeah kate i do yeah cage could be my dad yes <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd obviously take that in a heartbeat. And Patricia Arquette as my mum—I'll take those two any day of the week.
3: <laughs> that's a nice, that's a nice combo. Yeah, but I can't think, mate. Like,
1: I—I think the people who would like, if, yeah, if if I were to cast two people to be, actually be my parents in a film, I think like one because the last film I ever saw in the cinema with my mum was the film *Guilt Trip*. Which Wrong. stars Seth Rogen and Barbara Streisand. And it's kind mm. of about a, a slubby son and and his kind of like attentive mum. I was like, I think Babs could he's like and me and my mum kind of related to the film. I was like, yeah, I'm a bit of a schlub. You're very attentive and lovely. Uh <laughs> you're 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 constantly going, well, What the fuck are you doing with your life? Uh so I think Barbara Streisand could easily be my mum in the kind of in that in, in that sense. And just because my stepdad looks like him. Robin Williams could definitely play my dad I mean, my
3: I, Robin Williams is awesome, isn't he? yeah, like I'd love him to be my dad <laughs> that's that's a definitely a, yeah Robin Williams could play my dad <laughs> amazing
1: uh, well um is there yeah before we start to wrap things up, is there any moments in this film that you feel like we should we should we, we should pick out because I feel like we've we've done a good job of talking around this film as opposed hmm. to talking about the actual film, which is. Normally, a sign that the film isn't that interesting, and I think that that kind of is the case I mean, here.
3: It's not that interesting, is it? There's not there's not really nuanced performances to pick at. So, like, to, to I think there are kind of it definitely it loses its way towards the end. I think like there's a bit there's a bit where you think this could this could be okay, and then actually the ending is pretty shocking. Like the whole wedding thing and it the rushes through, con- right? Convoluted kind of road trip thing that goes on for no reason. Like Robert De Niro has a huff, has a hissy fit, and just drives off. And so they, they chase him down, and there's this weird kind of thing where they all end up in jail for. It's,
1: and the whole like subplot of like, oh, the. The housekeeper, and it could be like his son. Yeah. They did an amazing job of casting that actor.
3: (laughs) That kid. Yeah, the kid does look like him. Like, (laughs) yeah.
1: I've got, i got, got, yeah. Ray Santiago as uh, Jorge Villalobos, like, looks perfect, like a kind of Hispanic Ben Stiller. Like, he's perfect. But then, like, the kind of go around with that, because obviously there's a whole thing where Jack is doing like a DNA test. And then it's just like, oh no! It was like some guy called like, uh, <laughs> yeah, some Rusted. baseball player yeah, yeah, yeah. who looks like Ben Stiller. Yeah, it's just Ben Stiller in a. It's <laughs> Ben Stiller browned up like of so like yeah. Hispanic. He's like, oh, really? Like...
3: Yeah, also dodgy. I mean, I, I kind of want to say that I like the dog getting flushed down the toilet. <laughs> maybe that's just me. Like, I just like the the blue dog after he's been flushed down the the toilet of the RV. I uh, I think that's funny, but...
1: but there is a moment that kind of got me that like I was like kinda of guilty, but like it's when it's when Dustin Hoffman is like breakdancing. And like from from the look of it, like when he does that headstand, it's like that like 'cause there's no cutaway or anything. It's like, oh, that is actually Dustin Hoffman dancing. <laughs> and then he falls back through a table and I was like that like that's kind of sweet and like it's obviously played for a laugh but it, i thought it's like more sweet of like it's just this goofball and it kind of yeah. really encapsulates who who his character is and i think yeah I, I can't kind of praise enough him and barbara streisand in this film because kind of when they're on screen and they're like they're into play together and like
3: mm. without them this film would be unbearable yeah i think you know i just yeah i totally agree they they do hold it all together but it's just yeah it's just it's not a great movie is it it's not something we can delve into like deeply and it's like it's not something that like
1: (laughs) from like reading about it there's no kind of like on set like conflict or like some interesting stuff around the film it kind of feels like (laughs) Everyone who's involved, I'm em-
3: really sorry. I just picked the most boring film. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you, you haven't.
1: You haven't. There are far, probably, there are far worse films on, on this list. and They're probably ones that not neither of us have ever heard of. Well, I've only heard of them because of this list. No, no, don't, 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 don't do that to yourself, Rich. No, don't worry. This is, uh, this is always the gamble with this show. And I think it's uh, mm. what makes this show kind of interesting is the fact of there are these parameters, good or bad. Like, you could easily have a podcast. Anyone could have a podcast where it's like, hey, this week we're going to talk about a great film. Next week we're going to talk about a great film. The week after we're going to talk about a great film. This is yeah. just a, a roll of the dice, baby.
3: And I think the thing is, it's, really, it's easy to talk about a great film. It's easy to talk about a terrible film. It's hard to talk about a film that's kind of fine yeah
1: like yeah like mean? if you were on a long car if you were on like a long coach journey and they put this on the screen you'd be like "Know oh, what yeah it's, it's all right it's isn't it? an, it's yeah a, yeah it's an hour <laughs> and 50 minutes like you're fine. you fine know i mean it's, it's it's a perfect plane film i reckon like back yeah old school plane films as well when it was like the screens in the aisle not when you have ultimate choice <laughs> I mean, yeah like, yeah they're programming a film like th- those days and you you've paid your money for your headphones all right we're well, watching meet the fuckers it's fine It's fine. it literally is the death you, you look up fine in the dictionary you got meet the fuckers there like, <laughs> like it's not revolutionary in any way
2: no no it isn't <laughs> uh,
1: so on that note yeah is there anything else that we've we've missed or that you you, you have a burning desire to mention I about this. I
3: don't movie. think so. I think we've talked about everything from this movie,
1: and anything that we've missed, we've missed it for a reason because it wasn't anything we've missed. To... It's because it
3: was boring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, that, that that they feel like perfect closing thoughts on this film. So before I let you go, I must ask you a few questions, and the first of those okay. being did you manage to find any Coppola connections within this film? Is there anyone who's in this film or worked on this film that's worked with the Coppolas elsewhere?
3: I am not really. Um, the only one I've got is Terry Polo on the West wing, obviously with Michael, with, with Martin Sheen This is Michael Sheen. then. that would be a very different, different show uh, with uh, with Michael Sheen. Obviously on Apocalypse, worked in Apocalypse Now with Francis Ford Coppola. So there you go. That's a, a roundabout-ish kind of way (laughs) lovely lovely so i'll
1: go in with like a nice little tenuous one to begin with then i'll i'll I'll, I'll rattle through a list of uh ones that i've got don't feel bad not to have got any of these rich i just have a kind of Beautiful mind style thing of being able to just yeah. I
3: mean, my knowledge of the Coppola family is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: I, 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 could just, I could just close my eyes and see filmography scroll, scroll <laughs> upon my eyelids. But uh the, the, the tenuous one is the sequel to this film, Little Fockers, is directed by Paul Weitz, who directed and was co-creator along with Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola on the series Mozart in the Jungle. And then the more direct connections we have here is Ben Stiller was in Flirting with Disaster with Patricia Arquette, who at the time of that film's uh, production was married to Nicolas Cage. He's also in Night at the Museum, Battle for the Smithsonian. John Swartzman was the cinematographer and he's in the Mark Uh, Peace Experience, which Jason Swartzman also stars in. Um, Nice, obvious one
3: also like de niro as well you know <laughs> de niro's
1: in godfather part two yeah, yeah that's, that is next on my list uh, dustin hoffman is in all the president's men which david shire uh did the score for and at the time was married to talia shire um he's mm. also in i heart huckabees with jason schwartzman
3: oh uh, yeah and yeah he is yeah
1: he's set to be in francis ford coppola's next film Megaropolis. So oh, okay, we've got some future Ooh. Dustin Hoffman Copler connections there for you. Um, I've got to take a deep breath for this one. It's Owen Wilson, ladies and gentlemen. Owen Wilson is at Armageddon, which John Swartzman was the DOP. He also co-wrote Rushmore, which stars Jason Schwartzman. He's in The Life Aquatic with Steve zizou which Roman Coppola was the second unit director. He's in The Darjeeling Limited, which stars Jason Schwartzman, and is co-written by Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola. He's in Knight of the Museum 2, which John Schwartzman was the DOP. He's fantastic Mr. Fox, which Jason Schwartzman is also in. He's in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Which Jason Swartzman also in, and him and Roman Coppola also have co-writing credits on, and is in the French Dispatch, which Jason Schwartzman has a tiny cameo. And that's about it for I mean,
3: Owen Wilson. That's incredibly impressive. <laughs>
1: I should have just said, Owen Wilson, <laughs> Wes Anderson, there's your connection, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dori Barton, who plays an airline clerk in this film, is in Bewitched. She plays a auditioning actress, which Jason Schwartzman is also in that film. And the score for this film is done by, uh, as little as there is of it, it's done by Randy Newman,
3: yeah Ooh. yeah it is yeah
1: who also did the score for seabiscuit which john schwartzman was the dop <laughs> and this film makes a reference to seabiscuit
3: when it does yeah
2: <laughs> when,
1: when barbara streisand is giving uh robert de niro a massage when ben stiller's character enters the room he says you are riding him like seabiscuit so for me i was like ah. Oh, John Swartzman was a DOP on that film. <laughs> That's interesting. So you really got to be, you really got to be like really tuned into the Coppola family to get that joke. And uh, it's not a good one, even if you do. <laughs> famous horse.
3: Lovely. Brilliant. There we go.
1: So let's rate this film, Rich. The way we do that here is we talk about the perfect wine pairing. What could be Mm. the perfect wine pairing for me?
3: So I've thought about this. Not a massive wine guy, and we'll be honest, but I think, because we've talked about this film is basically fine. I think it's going to be like a bog standard, like Jacob's Creek Merlot, like, you know, nothing special, but if you brought it to a family dinner, everyone be like, Oh yeah, that's all right. Nobody hates it. Yeah you know it's just that bog standard kind of all right
1: i yeah i think this is like a relatively cheap cheaper wine and i'm gonna go for with a white wine and it's gonna be a spritzer because that is a oh. that is a that is a big moment throughout this film is uh ros introduces dina to spritzers and it becomes her drink and i think
3: this it, is true yeah and i think i it, was gonna say a tom collins or a chimichanga <laughs> things that get talked about
1: <laughs> but i think in the way of a spritzer because it's like yeah. It needs, it's trying to have a bit of like light kind of fizz to it to make it fun. But like Mm. at the end of the day, the kind of the bitterness of the cheaper wine still cuts through. Not that good actually.
3: That's yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one.
1: So how much are we paying for this wine? AKA is this film any good? Is this a bottom shelf, middle shelf or top shelf wine?
3: I mean, it's probably upper bottom shelf for me. But between the bottom and the middle,
1: mid middle with a yellow label, I'm saying.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah, middle with a yellow label, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on that periphery. I think it's on that
3: that, mm. that
1: kind of perineum between the the, the the bottom and the middle shelf. I have got to agree with you there. Um, so based on this film alone, Rich, the Copel is the greatest film family of all time.
3: I mean, based on this film, no. But um, <laughs> That's it. That's all I based on all the, based on all the rest of their movies and all the other output, then probably that <laughs> doesn't matter. It's this film alone. No, oh, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm taking your first answer, Rich. Okay. <laughs> so uh, very shortly, I'm, yeah, I'm going to um, I'm going to kick you out of the circle of trust. But before I do, I must know the answer to these two vital questions first of which being which Coppola family member would you keep in doing so you get rid of the entire filmographies of the rest of the collective family
3: it's a tough one it's a tough one and yet also an easy one it's Nicolas Cage yes Rich (laughs) would
1: you like to expand Uh, I'm not sure if it needs to but uh, please I mean
3: I've I've just watched the the, uh, unbearable weight of a massive talent and I think it's the best thing he's done in ages I absolutely love it but also, I mean, I love I love lots of things that Nicholas Cage is in. I love National Treasure, uh-huh. and I'm not not afraid to admit that. And both Dave and I are crying out for a National Treasure three. Where is that?
2: <laughs> I'm not um, sure but, yeah. the
1: validity to it, but I saw something recently on social media, and it was one of those things where you know when like Twitter like instantly like
2: mm. refreshes
1: and you lose the article. And it was something to do with uh, Nicolas Cage's slated to be in season two of the series that they're doing. On yeah, National Treasure. Yeah. So hopefully, fingers crossed. With the revitalization of the franchise, they will kind of stump up the cash and make that third one. And I'm always, I'm always put down by the fact of like Disney's reasoning for not not continuing the franchise was basically like. We can't make money out of it beyond the films. Like, we can't, like...
3: Yeah, yeah, we can't, like, sell toys of it and stuff. We like. can't
1: merchandise history, basically. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we can't start selling Declaration of Independences. Like, you can. You could have, like, a cool thing where if you slightly get it damp, it reveals a secret map on the back. People would go...
3: Yeah, yeah, people would go nuts for that. But you could do a video game. You know, there's stuff you could do, surely.
1: Like, nah, don't buy that.
3: Yeah, they were probably like video games. You're not working hard enough. They saw Uncharted (laughs) come out
1: and go, oh, shit, that's basically what we're doing. (laughs) That's basically it, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) That's basically, oh, fuck, that's basically what we're doing over here. Uh, uh, Amazing, yeah. Nicholas, yeah, he's he's, he's the pro. And he's always fascinating and, like, it seems, especially recently, every other week there's like new casting news for Nicholas Cage, and it's like mm. for me, it's like heartening. Cause it's like
3: he seems to have gone through that period of just saying yes to everything to now saying yes to some really interesting stuff. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe he's paid those debts off, and now yeah, he's he doing has. the really interesting stuff. He has, yeah. The- no more Ghost Rider. <laughs> much more pig, please. Like, that's that's what we're talking about.
1: Well, yeah, in the promo for... Uh, no, in the promo for Massive Talent, I think he did, like, a... He kind of admitted, yeah, like, I'm, I'm debt-free now. Like, I can kind of... Mm. I can be a bit more selective, but... He still seems to be working at a clip, and like yeah, yeah, still kind of churning them out. And I, I think we're yet to see stuff that maybe, yeah, yeah. I think he's got like six, seven things like in his like to be released, by IMDb, and it's like, please,
3: <laughs> yeah, bring it on, bring it on,
1: amazing. So I must ask you the final and arguably most important question of this podcast. Yeah. What does Notorious uh, throwing kids in Bill Murray (laughs) uh, say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation, Rich?
3: i thought about this quite a lot, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if someone else would have said this, but for me, other than Ghostbusters, Bill Murray's best role is in Caddyshack. Okay. And so I think what he would say is the thing he says when he's about to blow up the golf course to get rid of the gopher, he says in the immortal words of John Ball Sartre, or of war gopher. <laughs> and I think that's what he's whispering or of war gopher. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I think that's perfect. Yeah. No, no, no further questions on that. Um, so let us know before you go, where can people find yourself and, um, the unequal Sequel podcast, or where's the best place
3: to keep in well, touch? Well, I mean, for the podcast, we're in everywhere you get your podcasts from. Um You literally can't get away from us. Just type in Unequal Sequel and we'll be there. Um In terms of kind of social media stuff, then if Twitter still exists when this goes out, you can find us on Twitter or on Instagram. We're at Unequal Sequel. You can, I mean, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email because we're properly off of the '90s, and uh, email us at unequalsequel.hotmail.com. I, I even built us a website, which it seems like a pointless endeavor for a for a, a podcast, really. But yeah, unequalsequel.com, you can find us on there too.
1: It's a beautiful website, and I, I, I it, it always listening to your podcast, it always like, I always get a smile on my face at the fact that you guys have a hotmail.
2: Account, yeah, I know. Email It's stuff. become a thing now. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, it's we amazing. can't get rid of it. <laughs> do you
1: do you, do 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 you ever like email people from that account like potential yeah, all guests the time. and they go like all the time? What you email from a hotmail <laughs> account? Like
3: yeah, we're from the past. <laughs> 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 I like.
1: I was. I, I I think the first time I heard it, I was like. They even still give out
3: Hotmail accounts. <laughs> like,
1: how long have you guys had this uh, account in, in
2: waiting? <laughs> <laughs>
3: i love them. yeah blame dave for that one he set that one up oh, but yeah it's become a big running thing now so we can't get rid of it i love it 20 years time we will still have a hotmail email address yeah
1: I, I i love it i love it yeah so many yeah everyone's everyone's gmail it's so it's so hack and played out <laughs> bring back hotmail it seems like yeah everyone's thirsting for things of the past even even recently in a in a group chat we're like Social media is on its ass. Like, is there any way we can resurrect MySpace? Yeah, like, no, I was
3: just going to say that. Yeah. yeah, Twitter's dying. MySpace, it is then. Yeah, MySpace yeah. and
1: MSN chat rooms. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring MySpace.
3: There's just lots of links to your friend's shitty band. Like, <laughs> and, the,
1: and, and the added social of anxiety of, oh, what if this person hates me because they're not in my top eight? <laughs> <laughs>
3: brilliant or seeing yourself
1: drop out of a top eight and be like oh they must they must hate me now oh god (laughs) well before we yeah before we get trapped down a kind of nostalgia trip um thank you so much rich for coming and making some coping connections with
3: me thanks mate cheers it's been really fun thank you
1: so there we have it guys rich voted no based on meet the Fockers. the coppolas are not the greatest film family of all time another massive thank you to rich for coming and joining me for this it was a lot of fun um it's often quite hard to talk about these mediocre movies but i think we got there i think we had a a great time doing it there's plenty of avenues and stuff to talk around this film so that was a lot of fun and a massive thank you to you guys for listening and if you would like to get in touch with the podcast if your opinions on this film differ if they are the same if you want to carry on the conversation, you can do so by heading over to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox, Hive, I guess we're on Hive now, uh, and TikTok, all at CagedInPod. Or you can drop me an email. Email's not going anywhere, unlike social medias. Who knows where any of those will be in the distant future. We're soon approaching a new year, maybe a new landscape. But to be honest, I'm gonna be yeah I'm gonna be there with Twitter till the dying days. Elon Musk or not uh, yeah 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 so uh, yeah, drop me an email, which as I said, isn't going anywhere, which is caged at gmail.com um, and if you'd like to support the podcast, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash khd and and give me some cash money for doing what I'm doing. It really helps kind of um, keep the lights on. Anything that needs to be tinkered with, fixed, bought for the podcast, all the money goes back in. Hopefully, get me to do fun, interesting things. Make the podcast sound better and better and better and better, so you guys can have a enjoyable show to listen to, interact with, and enjoy most of all. Um, however, if you don't want a part of any money, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now, and leave a lovely five star rating and review and when you do leave that rating review uh let me know let me know in that review what you think bill murray says to Scarlett Johansson at the end of lost in translation as for next week on the podcast um it's gonna be another great episode you know what i'm gonna stop telling you guys what it is you're gonna have to follow on the socials you get a little um yeah you'll get a little tease of what it's gonna be you can always yeah look on my letterbox you'll Figure it out pretty quickly, but um, I've, yeah, I think in the episodes, I'm gonna kind of <laughs> let me be honest with you, I don't know what next week's episode is, that's why I'm being quite aloof about it. But um, yeah, it's gonna be a fun one altogether. We start slowly gearing up for Christmas, so there's plenty of Christmassy goodness coming. However, we'll get to all of that in good time, as ever, guys. I've been Petros Patsilivus, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. Remember to keep it caged in, and I'll catch you next time.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi.
3: Plus, Quince only works with
0: factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged-In Copeland Connections, a AdroopTown Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come.